Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We're both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 58. Today, we're focusing on how to ace your teacher evaluations. We'll also share highs and lows from our teaching week, a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. Carrie, it's yes. uh, particularly snowy right now. It is in Colorado. Um, yep, we had a snow day recently, which is yeah. like the first of the year. Shocking! It is shocking, <laughs> and I think that I'm getting the hint that our winter is no longer in December, January. I think our winter is like February, March, yeah, April. It is. Yeah. Anyway, Colorado. So from the past week, what do you have to share? A high or a low? Um, it's gonna be a low, okay. a general low. Um, student behavior has February been a challenge. and October, those yeah. are the hard. Well, yeah. and I mean, March. you can have hard months any old time. Well, not, this not is just, true. But February and October are notoriously struggling. This is true. Yeah, I felt like we we came back strong from break, and you know, part of it is, and this is just part of the deal. I get it. I have a student teacher right now, so of course. You know, working with kids with high level of trauma and high level of anxiety, anytime things are different, mm-hmm. they don't handle it well. They get out of the structure and, of the schedule. Yeah, so as much as, I mean, I've actually been very pleasantly surprised with how quickly many of my students have made connections with my student teacher. In fact, there's some kids who I feel like have a stronger connection with him than they do with me or mm. even with their classroom teacher, oh. which has been really interesting to see. And I think that just speaks well to him. And yes. he has a very warm, inviting personality. Um, he is doing an amazing job, but on top of that, some of my students aren't, and that's uh-huh. hard. It's so hard to sit back and watch. If any yeah. of you have ever supervised a student teacher, you know what I mean. Can I can I mention the elephant in the room? Yeah. Do you think him being male has something to do with yes. either side? Oh, yeah. Like, that's not even an elephant in the room. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, I tell him that all the time. Because I, I mean, yeah. and I think that you need to know this going in being you know, female or male, yes. that there are some kids who are going to connect with you because oh yes. they put you into this female yep. or male role and then there are some kids who are going to be like repelled. Yes. Um and more, that's yeah, yeah, more than not, it seems like um our kids are responding well to him as a male. You know, a lot of our kids don't have a strong male right. role model. And so in they're their craving life. that. And our school, I was thinking about it, we we don't have any male um teachers right now. <gasps> Wow. At our school. We yeah. have a male principal. We have male custodians. We have a male reading interventionist who works with small groups. But we do not have right now any male classroom teachers or specials teachers or sped teachers. Interesting. It, it's him. So I think, yeah, there's something to be said for that. Um, and again, it's his, he has a very comforting personality that I think works well. But back to my low. This all sounds high, but back to my low. Um, this last week in particular, you know, the honeymoon was over with some of his classes that uh-huh. he took over a couple weeks ago. He took started with sixth grade, um, and our sixth grade classes are rather small, so I think that just felt, felt like a safe place for him to start. Um, but, boy, the honeymoon's over, oh, and they're starting yeah. to really challenge him. And, you know, in all ways that I, that I expected, that just 
just sitting there and watching is hard. And I know off mic when I was telling you about it, you're like, so leave the room. And I'm like, I do for sure. But mm-hmm. you can't leave the room all the time. And I'm trying to give him a lot of constructive feedback. Obviously. You can leave the room a lot oh, of the I time. I do. I do. Um, <laughs> one class in particular, just quick story. Um, they were really falling apart because they also had a sub. Mm. And this class, every time there's a sub, they, they fall apart, like, literally. I have one of those. Um, yeah, so they came into the room, and they had only been with their sub for 20 minutes. There were already kids in tears. They were screaming at each other, which I was like, I thought you guys were, like, kind of banding together. No, they were like... <laughs> But then, like, the one kid who's the most cantankerous of all of them, he was the one who was on task. He was the one that was getting all the other kids to kind of get it together. So they came in really off. My student teacher kind of made a comment acknowledging the situation. Like, I know you're coming in a little stressed, a little concerned about your day, but you know what? You can come in here and we can have fun together for this 45 minutes. Let's just enjoy this time together. You don't have to think about that for a minute. You right. know, he tried to go with that. Um, and then everything was going well, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave the room, make some copies, and get some stuff done. And when I came back in, they were crying, and he was trying to console oh. It was, and he looked at me with this look like, oh, my God, what <laughs> happened? And so we had a chance to talk about it later, and he knew I, I laugh because we've been him. there. Oh, wait, yeah. We've all been there. Yeah, and, it, it, you know, it just, it was just, it was a day to say the least. Um, so, yeah, between the snow days, between we've had lots of subs in the building, lots of kids out sick, lots of teachers out sick, um, I feel like the world is kind of crumbling around us, and my student teacher and I are just forging ahead. Yes. But, you know, things are catching up to him, catching mm-hmm. up to us, and it was just kind of a rough week behavior-wise. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, it is what it is. I have felt that this past week as well. Yeah. And yes. I'm already going into tomorrow, Monday, thinking, okay, we had a snow day on Friday. So the kids had an unexpected three-day week. Mm-hmm. We have parent-teacher conferences this upcoming week, so mm-hmm. we're going to have long days. And it's Valentine's Day. Yay! And even though we, in our district, will not see the kids on Valentine's Day because it's a PD day, we're still celebrating it on the 13th. Yes, as our week, So yeah. I'm just kind of gearing up for this week. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not thinking this is going to be a great week. I'm usually a pretty positive person look on the bright side of things teacher but right now i'm feeling a little meh <laughs> well plug those holes as you go in you know plug those holes plug those holes like if you anticipate that oh, well, right you know when we do this specific part of the lesson i think that you know it, it might be that the kids react negatively yes. in this way yeah take what you know oh yeah and then ahead of time you you go okay yeah so if i anticipated this part they're gonna like lose it then now um, I, I know I need to make it short or I, knew, I know I need to add this in. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe they needed to, like, turn and talk so they feel, so they have more agency. Yeah, they're like, going to need some talk time. They're going to need some moving time. Yeah, We're going to totally. need to plan some extra movement because, you know, snow, inside recess, all mm-hmm. of the things. So. Oh, yeah, the inside recess is <sighs> this past. Cause we only had one snow day, but we did have a late start day mm-hmm. because of the snow. Mm-hmm. And um, lots of inside recess. Yep. That time of year. And you know what? I should know better than to forge ahead with what I've planned. There, I have had many years where when there's a lot of inside recesses, I switch it up. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, I'm going to make sure that we do this dance, that we do this movement activity. And don't get me wrong. It's not like my normal day-to-day is we're all sitting and making music. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I usually You're have something, them, right? but I, I put in more. 
more movement. And that's a big thing I've been working on with him, you know, as his mentor, is, you know, being proactive rather than reactive. And mm-hmm. so much of that is you have to know your kids. Yeah. And being a student teacher, you don't have that luxury of knowing your kids. But me, knowing them, saying, this is what they're going to need, this is what I need you to plan, and asking him well, to And that's one those of those things that you can't really teach. Share, like, sorry. Yeah, the, you, you know, you can intuit what's going to happen, or you... Oh, you, yeah, you never know. ...understand they still where they're going to go. <laughs> but that comes with, with experience. Totally. ...in teaching. It does. Yeah, it so does. he's getting that. He <sighs> is, but, yeah, I just have to sit in the corner and watch it all happen. And yeah, that's when I leave, hard. because... I mean, as long as no one's bleeding or well, throwing right. things. In this particular situation with that one particular class, I did not feel like I could leave because I was really worried. Well, sure. Because and when they started screaming at each other, it could have come to blows. It really yeah. could have. And that's totally understandable. Yeah. It is the hardest thing for me. It was very challenging to learn when I started having student teachers is to not butt in. Because yes. I will tell you, my first couple student teachers, I did do some butting in. Mm. And that hijacks that student teacher. Oh, it does. Because it takes all of the focus off of them, yeah. and it's like, okay, everybody remember who's boss, right. and that's not a no. good experience for the student teacher. No, not at you all. You know, and, yeah, and I used to think, well, I just, you know, want to make sure that they see how to handle this properly, but no. They have to, they they have to have feel it. They have to feel that And if they crash thing. and burn a little bit, that's how you learn. Oh, my gosh, yeah. How many times did I crash and burn? How many that's times sure. did I crash and burn last week? I was going to say, you just spill now. <laughs> So, anyways. Tune in tomorrow. I could be crashing in. Right, mm-hmm. right. So there's there's my kind of general low. Oh, yeah. How about you, Tanya? Well, I have many lows I could pick from, but I'm going to go high. Yeah, <laughs> bring it back up high. <laughs> I'll take the high road in you. Anyway, um, and my high as is kindergarten related. Yeah. Because this year, my kindergartners are my... They're at the end of the day, which is a hard time for them. Oh, gosh, yeah. But they are my, like, shining beacon when I've Aww. had a bad day and everything is, is when other classes are not quite holding it together. Um, the kindergartners, that very last class, they are always my ray of sunshine Aww. because the kindergartners this year are just awesome. That's so great. Yeah, I wish some of my older classes could act like the kindergartners. Right. Um, yeah. So I did this thing. You know how I've been um, videotaping the very beginning of the class. Oh, yeah. Because I'm greeting kids and I have a lot of large classes. So when I'm high-fiving or hugging or handshaking or fist-bumping kids, the rest of them are coming in. And I have tried the whole, like, I've written on the board, listen to this piece and figure out this thing. Like, decode this or for the younger kids, find the beat and put it on your body. That does not hold them right? for like two minutes, the two minutes that it takes for everyone to walk in and get situated. Plus, I often need like an extra 30 seconds to touch base with someone who has had a bad day and has gone straight to the corner or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I have solved this by making videos at the very beginning of uh, – so that when they walk in at the very beginning of class, there's a video of me leading them in a song. Yes. Right? So I turned it around this week by having the kindergartners. I have two t- kindergarten classes at my homeschool. And I recorded the kindergartners doing their opening song for the other kindergarten class. Oh, how cute. And then I did vice versa. Oh, like, they love that, I So bet. it was super duper adorable. Yeah. And they were really on, you know, they wanted to make a good recording. Because so, they wanted to watch it. Yeah. But so, you know, in unison, they're like, 
Hey, Mrs. So-and-so's class, follow us for your opening song. And then they do their opening song. How cute. And um, now, I just, I'm just taking this successful thing. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like the only successful thing I've new thing I've done this year, and I'm running with it. So, but it's huge. What I think I'm going to do now um, is I've done it with kindergarten, and that's been awesome. I would like to do it from one school to the other, too. Okay. Because I'm doing these videos for kindergarten, first, and second grade. Yeah. Right. Third, fourth, fifth, and on up. I have them watching a video and thinking about a question, mm -hmm. which is working pretty well. Um, but I think I'm going to have, like, my mountain school kids make a video for my homeschool and vice versa. Are you allowed to do that? Is there any issue with privacy? You know, I guess I have to look at all the forums and ask if there's anyone who's opted out. But I'm not posting it. I know. I just I'm just wondering if it's if it's going outside of school walls, so to speak. Oh, that's a good point. Just a thought. Sorry, I'm bringing you down with my eureness. Goodness knows I do not want any parent like I mean, I'm sure yes. it's probably fine. I heard kids at this school saw my child <laughs> singing. Yeah, but that's going to really give them that sense of agency and importance right. and what they're doing. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, and they're so curious about, um, you know, some of them don't even understand where I go when I'm not there. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, that was a high is kindergartners performing for other kindergartners via video. I love it. So it's time for our main theme, Yes. and today we are talking about how to ace that teacher evaluation. It's so exciting. And we'll also say that um, a lot of these things we're talking about don't just apply towards your in-school teacher evaluation. They can apply towards lots of things. So mm -hmm. if you're having to submit a, a video, video, hint, hint, to our CKI students, yes. uh, or any Kodai program, or I'm, I'm assuming lots of different certification programs require some sort of a video of you in front of your kids, or, mm -hmm. or an admissions video to get into a graduate school. Exactly. Um, there's lots of situations where people watch you teach. So um, while we're going to focus mostly on your in-house teacher evaluation with your principal or administrator, a lot of these tips can be applied to lots of things. Of course, because really, and we'll say this over and over again, I'm sure, but the bottom line is that when you're being evaluated, you should be teaching the way you've always been teaching. Yes. And That's you should be showing. <laughs> yeah. You're not putting on a show because someone walked in a room. No, because now, it well, is extremely evident. Yes. <laughs> now, if someone walks in a room and you uh, maybe... I don't know. Not not put on a show, but you if you up some things. Up some things. That's understandable. Like <laughs> yeah, totally. I will mention my learning target more. Oh yes. When my principal or whoever's evaluating walks in the in the room. Yeah. Because I know that in our district that is an expectation. It's not gone away. It's not worth fighting against. They've drank the Kool-Aid on that one, right. and I'm going to make do. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we fully support zhuzhing up certain parts and yes. adding certain things. Zhuzhing is not like, and now I'm a completely different teacher. I'm a completely teacher. different teacher. Right. So let's let's just start with, with number one. We've got five five tips, yes. five, five chunks. Can we mention the we five chunks that we're going to talk about um, Sure. Okay, so we're going to talk about knowing your expectations or your rubric for teacher evaluation. We're also going to talk about 
music teacher look for? It's like something that came out of our district. Yeah. Um, and how to communicate with your principal. Exactly. What things look like in the music room. Then, of course, you're outside the classroom responsibilities and making sure that your evaluator or evaluators know about what you do in addition to just Right. the teaching in right. the moment Advocacy. and then also how to take that feedback and make it a real positive experience for you as a professional yeah oh so we missed are... one like oh. what what actual to plan in your lesson oh yes what are some of the good sample activities what are some kind of no fail if you well, know no ahead fail. of time yeah if you know they're coming what are some what's great some good things, things to show outsiders who don't know your your teaching, What's your going on. music teaching philosophy, or just music education in right. general. Some so those awesome are the big things five things we're going to hit today. We're hitting them. All right. So starting with number one. Know your knowing rubric. Knowing your rubric and, and your, your expectations. expectations. And of course, you're probably going to hear this a couple times too, but so much of this depends on where you teach and what your district or school is looking for in particular. And, and know which ones your principal or whoever's evaluating really thinks are extremely important right you might have a principal who doesn't um value certain things that might be on their rubric and you yeah. might have a principal who's like if i don't see this as far as i'm concerned you're not teaching well right and i think you know in the beginning of teacher evaluation stuff it's so easy as educators to get so jaded and to think oh this is just this is all a dog and pony show mm -hmm. this is really not going to affect how i teach day to day and it shouldn't and i i see both sides of that argument cuz yeah you don't want to put on a show but on the same time when you look at the rubric i would hope mm -hmm. that most of the things you're looking at the rubric they're just good teaching they're it not is. like things that are outside of what you're doing every day however and as we'll talk about a little you know in our next big chunk, um, we hear that phrase, good teaching is good teaching. Yeah. Yes, and yes. <laughs> it, for a music teacher, there are other things to look for. Totally. Which is why our district put together a list of look-fors, but okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Ahead. I know. Okay. So when you're looking at that, that first time that you look at whatever rubric, whatever evaluation document is given to you at the beginning of the year, look at that as an opportunity to, to plan your year, so to speak. Like, how am I going to make sure I'm doing these things because this is what's best for kids, mm -hmm. not just what's best for me in my evaluation. Yes. So a lot of those things are going to be like you know, setting up some of those good routines with your students Definitely. for classroom management. I mean, that's something you should be doing anyways. Right. So then when the evaluator walks in the door, it's very evident that those routines have been going on all right. year. So just to like pinpoint some specific things, greet your kids at the door. Oh, Tanya, you're big on this this year. Well, yeah. Oh, but you, you took it a step farther with the handshake hug. Well, thing. I'm trying to make sure I make connections. Yeah. Um, but you mean not just saying, come on in while I'm sitting in the back of the classroom still typing on my you computer. You should be prepared. Right. And preferably you should be in that hallway ready to greet them. And this can be a challenge depending on your situation. Like, I have a challenge this year, one of mine uh, being that I'm in a temp at my mountain school. So the kids come outside. I still have them line up. Yeah. Right? And I still have them. And see, when they enter the room, they need to enter, like, on my terms. Exactly. And not theirs. This is your so classroom. So it can't be that, okay, um, like, some of us are falling into the room. And you, you got to start off um, 
where there's this expectation. Here's what we do every single time. As right. we walk in the room, we're singing. Yeah. As we walk in the room, we know to find our spot and look at the board and do X, Y, Z. As So you've got to establish that. And that probably has been happening all year. Yeah. If not, there's no time like the present. No, there's start never now. too Don't late to do Don't wait till the day of your evaluation to all of a sudden have those routines right. in place. Another issue that I have with that is at my homeschool, I have often one and a half classes coming to me. Oh, right. So like I have a teacher that'll bring their her kids two minutes early and then the other the, the other teacher brings her kids two minutes late yeah so do i let those kids filter in and then the other kids no i don't we stand in the hallway we're not outside yeah so you know if we are like informally chatting if that's okay i mean if, if they can handle that then we'll do that or maybe i'm leading like an impromptu game of poison pattern right or whatever but no i like to have them all walk in when we're all there, so you don't have this, like, disjunct. It, it sets up the lesson. Right. Exactly. All right. So, yeah. Having those routines are super important. Those routines are, and those will show to whatever evaluator. And right. it makes a difference. I'm telling you, it truly makes a difference when the principal or whoever is watching sees whether or not you are ready as soon as they hit the Right, right. Yeah. Another big thing on our rubric that we use in our district um, is is a lot of about you know best practices, research based practices, implementing you know does good lesson design, and so a lot of that is going to come upon you to have a meeting with your principal ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, once you've had some time to look over that rubric and you know it well, if at all um, possible. Yeah, I mean, in in my school, my my principal required that of all of us that we had a meeting, oh, that's a pre observation meeting. Oh. I would say it's worth it. It's worth your time and energy to request that meeting, even if it's not something that's being requested of you, right. because that's the point where you can explain your philosophy. Yes. If you're a Kodai inspired teacher, if you're an ORF inspired teacher, what whatever it is that you feel is important of your principal to know of you and your overall curriculum, your overall classroom, um, because some of, so many of what we do to principals seem so foreign. Yes. And they don't have the time to sit there and research what's the difference between Kodai and ORF. They yeah, and you that. and you can be short and sweet about it. You don't need yeah. to go into a long... And I've level. also, in addition to having a sit-down um, meeting, I've also given my principal's links to things online Mm -hmm. to say if you have some time I'd love for you to look at this like on the OAKE um, website there's kind of a brief you know who was Kodai and what's the Kodai philosophy overview I often send my principal a link to that and there is an excellent video I mean if anyone has the time but at Holy Names we've got the song collection yeah but there's also an excellent video and it's pretty short about Kodai and about Kodai inspired teaching oh, in the United States. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna go watch it. We know people who are in it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, fun. You gotta check that I out. I'm gonna check that and out. And I've shown that to parents, like on back to school nights. Yeah. Um, had it playing while parents walk in, um, and all that. Right. So that's good to to have. Yeah. But that goes along. All of this pre observation stuff goes right, along exactly. with. Uh, do you know when your principal or whoever's coming is going to come? So if if you have the opportunity, if they're like, I've got to schedule it, I know that on Tuesday at 2 o'clock I'm coming to see your third graders, that's great because mm-hmm. then you can make sure that you have something 
in store for that evaluator to see right. that might be, like we said, a little judged up Yeah, that you can really showcase some things. Oftentimes in my school, and I've, I've always had a scheduled first observation and a drop-in second observation. All of my observations for the last, oh gosh, four years have been, five years, have been drop-in. Yeah. I and cannot I remember so the last time I think so much of that is even that. when my principal does schedule something with me, something comes up. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I know I was supposed to come in and see you today, but I had to deal with this parent or this kid or whatever. Um, I'll just pop in sometime next week. So yeah, I mean, I say that often they're they're scheduled, but that doesn't mean that schedule. Yeah, I don't know if I, at this point, I don't know if I would prefer having them scheduled because I think that might make me nervous. Whereas, like, I don't know. If someone walks in my room to observe, that's okay. okay. And again, having that kind of open door, you know, philosophy all year round. And if you're somebody who feels really on the spot, because I think there's different teacher personalities. I think you and I, Tanya, we've both been observed so many times and we've been clinicians and we've done workshops. We're kind of used to people seeing us in action, right? Yeah. And I can judge on the turn of a dime. Yeah. But if you're a younger teacher, less experienced teacher, or if you're just someone who that's not your personality, it might be good and proactive of you to seek out opportunities for someone to come and observe you. If oh, you're yeah. nervous about it ahead of time. So, you know, if you have a classroom teacher buddy in your building that you feel comfortable saying, hey, during your planning, would you be willing to stay for 15 minutes and I'll buy you a coffee later and mm-hmm. give me some tips, you know, and it just it just to get used to having people in your room. Well, and we if have you're not our, used to it, yeah. it feels really on We the have spot. instructional coaches at every building. Yeah. And that's part of their responsibility sure. is like if invite like you can set up time yeah. with them like hey come watch me teach this particular segment because something is not right or I'm looking to tweak it and give me yeah. honest feedback um, but if you don't have that and this is a little scary but very useful I've done it in in fits and spurts is videotape yourself sure and watch it oh yeah and then you know once i get over the whole oh my gosh i gotta lose that 25 pounds i can really look and go oh wow i noticed so and so wasn't engaged and if i would have moved closer to her that would have made a difference or if i would have cut this shorter like wow i sure am talking a lot yeah and they need to sing more or whatever that can be very eye-opening it's hard to do oh yeah and sit down with that rubric in front of you while you watch the videos and and check yourself off you know mm-hmm. where what if if i was being very honest with myself where would i grade myself right likely you're probably gonna be more hard on yourself than your principal would be exactly so if you can get over that initial thing oh good so yeah that's all kind of pre pre-observation warm-up yes. activities know your so principal or whoever's evaluating know your rubric know if you can schedule it or know if they're gonna drop in yeah yeah do a couple practice runs if you can all right, so shall right. we dive into music teacher look for? Yeah, so Tanya mentioned in our district, we, we teach in a large district where we're fortunate to have a, a music uh, curriculum coordinator. We have an advisory team, which Tanya serves on. So because of that, we have things that are maybe more available to us than if you work in a smaller district. True. And one of those is we have a, a look for document that's been created by teachers, right? Yes. You guys created this. Yes. Um, or it goes through every point on our teacher evaluation and says specifically in the music room, here's what it's going to look like. Because again, to expect principals to know this on the top of their head, it's not likely. Um, so if you don't have a document like this in your district, it's definitely worth your time to maybe create one for yourself or the other team uh, teachers in your district and share it with them. I'm sure they'd be very thankful. Yes. And then share it with your principal ahead yes. of time. Yes. And I'm just going to, we're going to hit a the couple big examples. Points. So our music teacher look for us are break, broken down into professional preparation and professional techniques. That's like 
what's happening what you're while you're teaching. Uh-huh. Um, sorry. Oh, and then professional responsibilities, which we will get to a little bit later. Yeah. But that, don't forget about that professional responsibilities part about what you're doing outside of the classroom. So yeah. pretty much this document is like, what do you do before you're actually teaching the kids? What do you do while you're teaching the kids? And what do you do in addition to teaching the kids? Yes. Yeah. Love it. So get, can you get an example of something, what it sounds like on the real evaluation and then what we have put in for music specifically? Well, you've got that document. <laughs> um, you mean on the teacher? No, I'm just looking at it right now. Oh, on our look so, for document. Okay, so, so I'm going to go with uh, with this one here. So plans and implements research-based best practices. Right, and that's something. We're, so now, right now we're in the professional preparation um, bucket. Right. And this is stuff that you, if you're Kodai trained, if you're ORF trained, if you have musical learning theory or whatever you've got going on, whatever PD you've had, or whatever preparation you've had in your college, uh, this is stuff that you want to make sure your evaluator knows whether or not you know exactly when they're walking in the room. Exactly. So I think at the beginning of the year, whenever I have a new principal, and, um, you know, I've had a few because it seems like they turn over after about five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I schedule a short meeting, and I really try to make sure that I honor their time. And I say, hey, my name's Tanya. Here's what I'm all about. I'm Kodai-inspired. Let me tell you what that means. Here's what you're going to see in my classroom. Here's what I value the kids experiencing yeah. in my room, just yeah. in case you're curious. Right. Um, well, and you should be curious because you're my principal. Yeah. So when it says plans and implements research uh, based best practices, I always make a point of saying, listen, Kodai-inspired teaching this is, is recognized yeah. as best practices. Yeah, exactly. Right? So you, and this is proactive because you're not sure, we're never sure what principals have experienced in the past. Some of them are musicians. Mm-hmm. Some of them have come are coming from a school where their music teacher put on shows nonstop. And so that's what they think. Yeah you know, good music teaching is. So it's our job to educate our community, our kids, but also our principals in what best practices is. Totally. Right. And so when Carrie was talking about providing links, this is a great idea because you can say, no, it's not just best best practices from my head. Mm -hmm. Look in the world. Yeah, this is is a national organization that's organized for this purpose. Yes. The other thing I like are just kind of the practical things about this document that I feel like it kind of puts it in perspective for, for administrators that as music teachers who see every kid in the school, you know, depending on your situation, and not every day, all day, like a classroom teacher, things are going to look different. Yes. So, for example, you know, giving constructive feedback to students, you know, on the on the regular quote unquote teacher rubric, um, provides students with timely and meaningful feedback. Well, if we're a classroom teacher, that's probably going to be a lot more frequent, mm-hmm. right, than us as music teachers. So there is, you know, a really great you know, breakdown of what this looks like in the music room, provides quote-unquote in-the-moment specific feedback, provides clear and concise directions, models these things. Uses consistent uh, content-specific vocabulary. Exactly. And this is where... Demonstrates, you know, ensures that students are demonstrating correct technique. So to a principal who walks in the door and sees that, oh, I'm over there telling a student that, oh, you should be playing recorder with your left hand, not your right, they might not even immediately recognize that right away 
away as really meaningful feedback. That mm -hmm. might just seem like a little small thing. But if you take the moment to explain to your principal that all of those little corrections I'm doing, mm -hmm. that's my feedback. It's not written down. It's not in the form of a, you know, a formal document that I'm going to give to the students. But so much of what we do as music teachers is that in the moment feedback. Right. And kind of giving that that translation to principals of what that looks like. Yes. So making sure you have those look-fors, um, again, if your district doesn't provide them for you, something that you can go through and basically just make a couple points for each box on your rubric, whatever it is. Yes. Of, this is what it should look like when you come into my classroom. It's going to look different than a classroom teacher. Right. So I'm still when you're sitting down things. to do this, if you don't have it in your district, um, you really do want to compare it to what your... Uh, district has written down is this is good teaching yeah blah 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 and then you have to put it into your own language exactly which we're really really lucky that we have a music team that does yeah. that and gives to principals and this isn't a document that we can just share with the world I know I keep thinking oh we should share this but, but it's not Tanya something... and I are both perfectly willing to give you some tips so yeah. if you email us and you have like a specific like what you know I'm really trying to explain this particular thing to my principal and I'm coming up blank with ideas feel free to reach out to us because right. we can share things from our rubric or just things off the top of our heads yes and um as we're looking at i'm looking at the bucket of professional techniques uh models and facilitates higher level thinking problem solving creativity and flexibility i think that also speaks to making sure that students are processing which is um leads us to student-based lessons yes and making sure that there's opportunities within a lesson mm -hmm. for kids to process and talk through with a neighbor yep. or a small group or create with someone make sure and and i think in the kodai world we can be guilty of being the state sage oh, on yes. the stage oh, yes make sure um that you have within your lesson this opportunity for kids to process and get feedback from each other mm -hmm. whether it's like oh practice through this pattern with your elbow partner and check each other right right so and those are things that are um things you routines that you have to practice before someone walks in the room totally because if someone if a principal walks in the room and you're like okay everybody turn to your elbow partner and discuss why we dance to the beat instead of the rhythm and they've never done that they've never right. had an elbow partner they're gonna look at you like What's this new thing? Yeah, now it's going to take five minutes to set up elbow partners. Mm -hmm, but if exactly. you have that set up. And you know what? You still might have to do that. I well, know yeah, I do, even though we've practiced that. <laughs> of course. But it's going to be evident to a principal if you're just reviewing something versus setting it up on the spot. Right. So. so, I mean, a lot of the things that we always talk about as far as what a good lesson, and we were just touching upon this the last two um, podcast episodes yeah about you know this planning thing yeah if you're doing it it's gonna show it is if you're yeah. not doing it that's gonna show that's too gonna show as well. and so um <laughs> as a little lesson design your effective long-range planning right and so i'd like to take it a little aside that in thinking about videotaping a lesson for say a kodai program yes in between your levels that you have to submit to your next pedagogy instructor right um you really want to make sure that it shows that you've been uh not just talking the talk but walking the walk yes and we'll you know we will see that yes in your students yeah 
Yeah, if you're doing something specific for a Kodai program, that is not a good time to also be incorporating all of these Orf and Dolcrows inspired things. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, on the flip side, if you're doing that all the time, and then all of a sudden now you're taping a pure Kodai lesson, but your students are very kind of unfamiliar with where you're going, Mm -hmm. it's very obvious to your pedagogy instructors. It is. And, And speaking now, if I can put on my, like, pedagogy instructor hat. Yes. Um, when you're doing your Kodai levels, for example, and this goes for ORF levels as well, you owe it to yourself to take that training, that time, that money that you've spent, mm-hmm. and to really just use it for all its, play it for all its worth. Yeah. Like you've come away from your level one, for example, with all these techniques, all these tools, all this song literature, all these things that really are like, a Kodai-inspired classroom, you know, view. Yeah. So do that. Practice that. You don't know how to do that until you've practiced it and right. see how it works with real kids. Yeah. I think that throwing in other things actually impedes your education because your education does not stop after your two weeks at a Kodai Institute. No. Really, that's just the tip of the iceberg. That yeah, it really comes into play when you take all of that and you put it into practice, and it is extremely challenging. I think nearly impossible to put that training into practice when you're also trying to pull from the Delcro's world uh, and pull from the Orf world yeah. and pull. I'm not saying that that can't be something that you aspire to one day by yeah. using little things, but if you're in a training program, like. Steep. Yes, you need to to make that happen. Don't just to skim. Potential. Steep in, steep in the it. pedagogy. Yes. Steep. Amen, sister. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. So now let's talk about our third point, which is then if you do know, you know, when your principal's coming, if you have our administrator, if you have that that knowledge, what are some things that you can plan that are kind of like when I know my administrator's coming, what are those I call it no fail, but there's always opportunities to fail. Some <laughs> of those tried and sure things that administrators kinda go, Oh wow. Right. Um so for me I will say I wanna make sure that I am doing some sort of a practice activity. Yes. Of some sort of concept. Oftentimes it's rhythmic. I wrote it on here music literacy on parade. Yeah, because they love to see kids reading and writing music because that's that is kind of that aha moment for them where they go, oh, I can really see this uh, right. being put in display. Um, so this year when my evaluator came in, um, it was my first practice activity after I had just presented to NTT to mm-hmm. first grade. And that was great because, you know, we started by singing a simple song and reading the rhythm. We went and played the singing game. After that, we transitioned into a literacy activity where they were writing rhythms to NTT with popsicle yes. sticks. And it was so, you could see that gradual release of, you know, I do. I was modeling for them how to read Tan Titi, you know, to review. We do. We were reading as a class. And then you do. They were working individually with their popsicle Right. So, the, yeah. And that's an excellent example. Yeah. Because we hear that from the non-music teaching right. world is right. that whole gradual release. And we're doing that all the time. Yeah. But we got to showcase it. Oh, yeah. Right. So I have a lot of people walk into my room to observe me, not just evaluators, but um, I have, you know, students from... Uh, college students from programs nearby. I've had... um, Well, you're a mentor within our district, so teachers within our district. Teachers within our district. I've had um, people who are higher-ups in the district who are working on curriculum or whatever just, like, show up and Mm -hmm. watch. Um, Of course, you have 
you know, just a variety of people. So I actually think of when people walk in the door to see me, I don't think of they're watching whether or not I'm a good teacher. I actually consider myself, and I don't know if this sounds highfalutin or whatever, I don't care, uh, <laughs> a, an ambassador of music education. Oh, totally. Like, I want them not just to see, I don't want them to walk away going, oh, Tanya's a good music teacher. I mean, that's nice. But I want them to walk away and going, music education is doing so much for these kids. Oh, yes. That is what I want them to walk away with. And yeah. if I could put a finer point on it, I would like them to walk away thinking, oh, my gosh, Kodai-inspired teaching <laughs> is enhancing the learning and the growing and developmental everything of these students. And yeah. it is important, and we, they need it in their lives as much as they need math literacy and reading literacy yes. and anything else. Oftentimes, the comment that I get, and I got it this is last year from my administrator, is look at so-and-so, this one student who really struggles to be successful in his classroom. I love watching him work in your room because he was successful. He was right with you the whole time. I might invite his classroom teacher to come in and see. Right. Because sometimes, you know, when you, when you, when you see a kid in a negative light for so long, you forget what they are capable of. Yeah. And so, you know, and I'm guilty of this too. So she was just commenting on, look how you set him up for success. You right. had these these routines and these consistent things. But also then I had to remind her too, I didn't make this stuff up. This is training that I've gotten in the mm -hmm. Kodai philosophy whom Kodai strongly believed music for all, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my students who come from you know, trauma in their homes and all this stuff, they can be successful in my classroom because of the way this philosophy appeals to all students. Exactly. And you want to showcase students. You're showcasing that to outsiders. And, oh, yeah. Um, a couple years ago, I had one of the higher ups at the district level. I forget why they were in the building, but they came with our music curriculum coordinator uh -huh. into my room oh, yeah. and, um, you know, just watched. It was kindergarten. Yeah. And later on, the music curriculum coordinator, um, he told me, he's like, oh my gosh, you really knocked so-and-so's socks off because they were like, afterwards when we were talking, they were saying, oh, she was singing directions and the kids knew where to go. Oh, yeah. And they were moving and yeah. they were doing this and they seemed to understand these musical terms that I don't know if I understand. <laughs> right. And, and that really, they need to see the differences in like music education and they need to see active music making yeah they need to see movement yeah and that's very interesting in the past year uh being at my additional school i've been observed by the um building um i'm sorry instructional coach uh -huh. a couple of times and those are all always unannounced and i think i've mentioned on the podcast that sometimes it's been like oh my gosh you're walking in now right but anyway something that she always mentions and she's been in like two or three times is the movement right is that kids are getting up, moving, and demonstrating their understanding of something through right. movement, whether it's a game or whatever. So it, two things take I take away from this. One, yeah, it's good that we're moving. But also, I think more and more with the testing going yeah, on, that they've become more accustomed to sitting kids, pencil in hand, or in front of a laptop, yep. only sedentary Yes, you know, even learning. kindergartners and first graders. Even kindergartners. So yeah. for them to walk in and see learning happening with movement yeah. is unfortunately a little bit like out of the realm of what they're used to these right. days. Yeah. Right. So you want to showcase active music making, music literacy, movement, 
Yeah. All these good things. And I always want to make sure, you know, to go along with that, and if you're doing active music making, it's going to go hand in hand, that, that there's some sort of visual, visible assessment um, that I'm giving of my kids that then easily becomes the learning target mm-hmm. that I can easily then bring back into closure. So remember when we were working on our Taz and TTs today, you know, how did you show me that you knew that or show up one last little rhythm before they're walking out the door? Everybody read oh, this rhythm I should, for me. Oh, I should come Take observe out the you. Door. Okay, but this my is, closure is the no, but area this is what that, I'm saying. Yeah. Normally, my closure totally sucks. <laughs> yeah, my closure is like, oh, oh is crap, that the it's time? time to go. Yeah. No, totally, but this is what I'm saying. When I know ahead of time in those situations, if I know ahead of time, I, I make sure I have in my lesson plan and I stick to it um, a, a tiny closure activity because this is something administrators want to see. Yeah. And that's one of those zhuzhing up things. Like, yeah. It's not going to happen all the time in real life. Uh, there's no way it can. But, you know, to get that little box on the evaluation, yes. I'm not, that's to me not changing my whole lesson. That's just being a little more intentional. Right. And could I be more intentional about that all the time? Well, sure I could. Yes. <laughs> but um, on the list of priorities, closure is usually pretty low. Yes, yes, me as well. Yeah. Because I just want to get every, and, and I know someone who's really, you know, specialized in this would say, well, but the closure really makes sure that we come to a close. And, and yeah. that's just one of those finesse things that I have not yet right. mastered. Yeah. So next we're going to talk about those outside the classroom responsibilities that they show up on our teacher rubric. I am not can't say, obviously, for everyone's in the whole United States of America or yeah. wherever you are teaching. But um, there are usually some boxes that demonstrate professional learning and demonstrate um, parent communication and yes. just some of those things that aren't going to be visible in the actual lesson. And you want to make sure you call attention yeah. to anyone who's evaluating you. I mean, some, someone who has a, st- a say in your evaluation, whatever that means. Um, and in some districts, I don't know if it happens anymore, there was more pay attached to highly perfect, highly proficient. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. That's I, not happening in our district anymore. Yeah, I hope it's, it's a not little, happening anywhere because that's sketchy. It's a little sketchy. But anyway, whether or not you you want a good track record, yeah. And this is the time where you need to say, oh, you know, I send out a newsletter mm-hmm. to all of my families. Um, bi-monthly or yeah. every week or whatever Send and your administrator don't forget of all that. of your concerts or programs oh, yeah. or if you take kids to an elementary or whatever level uh, all-state choir or whatever extra things that you are doing you want to make sure someone knows that they don't know that yeah no they've got so many things, things they're doing they don't know they don't know um if you're doing things electronically like in my case class dojo because oh, yeah. i do so much with class dojo i take screenshot pictures and forward those to my administrator as yes. you know documents that support you know how i'm doing parent communication so you want to highlight those professional responsibilities that you do and then you yeah. also want to make sure you give a shout out to all your pd oh yeah, yeah. and you ha- again because because we as music teachers do so much outside of our school and even outside of our district because we're going to Saturday workshops, yes. we're going to conferences. Um, you know, it's not like you're just getting the PD that your school is requiring. Right. You're and going it's nice, above and beyond. Yeah, it's nice to for uh, principals and, frankly, your staff, the other teachers to know because – I'm not sure if anyone's experienced any kind of snarkiness. Oh, yes. The must-be-nice comments. The must-be-nice comments. Must-be-nice to not have to do parent-teacher conferences. And, and as but... tempting as it is. Oh, yeah, but we do. We do. But we don't. But it's not the same way, um, depending on whether or not you sit in on some. But 
Um, not that you want to be snarky about it, but you could say, hey, I... Uh, I attended a workshop last Saturday I spent, and I paid for it. I, yeah, I spent seven hours on a Saturday and paid 80 bucks to go to this Kodai or this yeah. ORF workshop because that's when RPD... I mean, and for most of us, that's when it happens. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and going to conferences. Going, going to, to conferences. conferences or your state music conference. Yes. You and, know, and if you're not already seeking out those opportunities just because you are, because you want to become a better teacher, if for no other reason, continue to seek out those opportunities. But if you're listening to us this far into our <laughs> Hopefully, this episode, yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably somebody in. who does seek out those and things. Speaking of listening, we've actually had a couple of listeners reach out to us specifically um, telling us that they use their hours, that they listen to our podcast, mm-hmm. and I'm sure others as well, um, as their professional development right. time, and they document that. And so um, make sure you, you know, if you are doing that, you can send your uh, administrator a link to our website, yes. musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com, yeah. because they'll see the show notes and every, all the episodes there, and you can document how many hours you've been listening. I think mm-hmm. that's a great idea. I do, and ours are pretty... <laughs> pretty long they are so long you get paid for your buck you with us. or not depending <laughs> on how you feel about not it much rambling um no yeah so just definitely think outside the box when it comes to and that is thinking there, outside of the box there, yeah. yeah there are times where um i kind of discount some of the things i do because you just do it and you forget yeah. like oh yeah i am doing choir after school and not getting paid for it that's mm-hmm. huge yeah that is huge <laughs> you know yeah so make sure you call attention to all these extra things that you do yes. because we want to also smash the the idea that uh, that music and art and PE yeah. uh, teachers have it easy that we just come in and entertain the kids yeah. for a while Fluff. while the teachers have their planning time and yeah. then we just you know we have to elevate what we're doing not just for our evaluation but for advocacy as uh-huh, well. for advocacy you are an ambassador of music education pretty much like it or not yeah what they see coming from you that's going to be the perception for a lot of people who don't know better oh totally yeah all right, and then the last part comes from what happens now after the evaluation. So you sit down, you have your, your meeting, you look at your rubric, and you've got all this feedback, and what are you going to do with that feedback? Yes. And, you know, I, I can say I've been fortunate that I've had generally pretty positive evaluations. Generally, um, you know, constructive feedback moving forward is often about around learning targets, closure, mm-hmm. um, things like differentiation or small group instruction, which are sometimes hard to see. Yes. And those exact things. And, you know, of course, we are all so critical of ourselves. And the first thing I do is I get upset with myself or, you know, I'm not good enough and all this stuff. But I really, I'm I'm also a fairly positive person. And I, I'm able to take that feedback and really try to apply it. Right. And sometimes I've applied things and gone, yeah, this really doesn't make that huge of a difference. And there are some things that I've really applied that I've noticed, wow, this really has helped me grow, right. as a, grow as an educator. And hopefully you're in this profession because you're looking for something that really grows you yes. as a person. Yeah. Like it's not just a, a show up, hit the punch time card and do your thing and leave. I mean, yeah. hopefully you understand and, and value getting better each yeah. year. Yeah. So, yeah, you have to take it for what it's worth. I advise, because uh, I tell you what, starting out, my first few years of teaching, pretty miserable. Yeah. Not just for me, but probably for those students. Um, <laughs> let's just be honest about yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I was, I'm not one of those born-to-teach um, kind of people. I learned the hard way, which actually, I think, makes me a better teacher because I learned the hard, hard way. Right. But, you know, um, if you do have a lot of in need of improvement here, in need of improvement there... 
after digesting that kind of feedback, it is always, always a good idea to take some space, some time uh-huh. before you go, okay, now what do I do? Right. Like That's the part I struggle yeah. with. I want to just go fix it. Right, exactly. Um, but Me yeah, too. you have to take a step back and process Take a step and back think. And, and think about it. I think at least after one sleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> and more. And I'm speaking from, you know, experience, and I'm not... Th- I'm speaking about like um, a specific behavior issue I've had with a reoccurring student, right? Yeah. And um, having conferences and taking things personally, I have noticed that I can always be more objective after I have slept on it. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if in the moment you get you get emotionally hijacked from something, you need to sleep. Yeah. And you might be getting feedback on something that did or didn't happen in that specific lesson, Mm -hmm. but normally does or does not happen, depending on the situation. Like, you may have had a really bad transition where the kids forgot where something went, and it looks like you don't have that routine set up, when really you actually do. It just wasn't captured in that one evaluation. Right. And if you have a post-conference with your evaluator, this is an excellent time to to go, you know, this transition, when we were putting all of the instruments away and then going to the board to read these rhythms was a hot mess. Yeah. And I know it was because, because of, of this, that, and the other. And, this is how and here is how yes. I plan to change that yeah. up. Right. And then when it comes to like the bigger things, you know, if you just feel like you need more training on certain aspects of your teaching, the go find that training. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whether it's music related or not, because it might be a matter of you going and observing a classroom teacher, or it might be you going and observing a music teacher in your district. But yeah, looking for specific training that's going to help you. Because I tell you what, to an evaluator, it's not so much that you fix that problem right away that school year, but that you're showing that growth and that, that you have that in I'm mind. I'm seeking out this information. Information. Yeah. I might not be a master at this this year, but you know, throughout this year, maybe I'll read a book over the summer. Here are some things that I can that do. That you're willing to grow as a, a professional is yeah. worth a lot. And that you don't just immediately, I think, again, I've been guilty of this too, as music teachers, we just immediately want to say, well, they don't know me. They don't know my what I teach. And you mm-hmm. discount some of the things that those administrators say to you mm-hmm. because you immediately want to go on the defensive right. about what we do. And I get it because I've been put in that situation where I had had unreasonable things asked right. of me. But if you've done all the steps leading up but we've talked about giving your administrator the tools to understand what you do and how Mm -hmm. you do it then hopefully the post-conference then you can give them the same respect as professionals to say yeah they might not know me specifically music feedback to give me but here are some things I really can take and digest and if you're in a challenging situation where you and your administrator or whoever is your higher up don't see eye to eye. Yeah. And if you're not willing to do the what they want you to do, it might be something to consider finding another place, finding another school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that, there are definitely toxic environments that right. we have to recognize And you've got to decide how much you can play along and how much it just compromises your work as a music educator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in looking at, your, at the feedback that you get, uh, consider what you can let go of what what is not I'll give a, a small example earlier in this year um, my principal observed me and one of the things that and she, she almost everything was extremely positive extremely she mentioned and I honestly I think it was like well I got to say something that she needs to improve uh-huh. is that she mentioned that when a student went to go to the bathroom that maybe I should have a sign out thing so that I know where students are 
Okay. Okay. That's an easy fix. That um, the kid take a pass and write their name and that this was protocol for many other teachers were doing it this way. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And that maybe I wanted to do that. Okay. I thought about this. And you know what? I'm not doing it. No. Here's why. (laughs) Especially for the... uh, third grade and under, it takes so dang long for them to just get the pass and leave and then come back. Yeah. Like, for some of them, finding the passes, I mean, even though we've practiced this procedure at the beginning of each semester, I'm like, hey, look, there's the pass. There you go. Um, That's enough. I'm not adding that. No. I'm not adding, like, here's your sign out, because then they have to sign their name. And, I mean, on some of these logs, it's like, and note the time. No. Yeah. Right. And then sign back in. I mean, I have kids who come back from the restroom wearing my pass for the rest of class. <laughs> and I let that go because it's like we've got bigger fish to fry. Right. Until, like, a kid goes, hey, dude, you're wearing the bathroom pass? Uh, well, so, and I yeah. would guess that if at the end of the day somebody came to you and said, during first grade today, do you remember who used the restroom? You could probably tell them. Yeah. I bet you could. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, if it's so just, this is one of those things that she made this tiny specific suggestion. Yeah, because she was looking for things to say. I, well, I really think she was. Yeah. And if she were to come back in my room and make the suggestion again, then I would like, okay, this seems really important to you. I guess right. I'll have to do it. But this is one of those things where I'm like, that's interesting. Right. I understand why, but no. And I also want to give a shout out to this. If you're in, you know, that stage of your career where you're getting very positive evaluations and you're kind of just, you know, moving along on the train and you're doing really well, now is the time for you to not just for your administrator and your evaluation, but for yourself to look for leadership opportunities where then you can be a leader for others. Oh, yes. So that might be, you know, serving on some sort of committee like Tanya does within our district. There's a music advisory committee um, offering PD for music teachers in your district. Mm -hmm. It could be serving on your local Kodai board. Or or it might even be uh, volunteering to revise the state music standards. Oh, yeah. There are so many things like that. Which is a huge time suck, by the way. But, you know, (laughs) a lot of times they're looking for people, for music educators, and having a voice in that kind of thing is to your benefit because... You know, if you are like, no, I think this is the most important thing. Yeah. You want to make sure that you have a voice and say, um, you know, it's not just me. We've got all this other reason. This is best practice. Let's make sure that our state standards value this. Because later on, if, for example, singing is not valued in your music state standards or is not emphasized, you can make it so. (laughs) And if you're not one to speak up, you might be stuck with an administrator who's saying, well, I don't see singing as a big deal in music ed. And um, I don't think that you should be doing it. I mean, it could come back to bite you. Yeah. So look for those leadership opportunities and continue to grow. So now it's time for a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And Tanya's going to share one with us today. I am. And this okay. is specifically for traveling teachers. Oh, yes. But it could work for anyone. Okay. And it's very simple. And like I always say, you probably already do this, but um, I've just started making a list uh, before I go to my other school. And on my, I've, I've done it on my phone, but I've also used Google, Google Keep. 
Okay. Which is a just a, a checklist. You can have several different checklists going at once sure. on that app. But you could just use, like, the notes section. And I like doing it on my phone and not on paper because I'm prone to lose paper. Right. Um, and so, like, this past week I had to pack up because I know on Monday I'll be starting at my mountain school. And I, na- I need to have, like, oh, my packets of um, popsicle sticks and I have to have these beets and I have to have this and that and the other. So I've just making, I've just been making a list and when I'm really on top of it, I break it down by grade level. Okay. But it's, that's not as important as just saying, okay, from this school, I've taken five drums and this and that and the other. And just having that list so that I know when I'm packing up at the end of the week from my mountain school, I can go, Okay, what do I make sure I bring I need back? To pack it back. Yeah, so oh. I aspire to be a super organized person. It's not always working for me, but this is a very basic way that I've just tried to that I've stayed on top of. Because there's nothing worse than like the third graders walking in and you go, "Oh yeah, we need to use those <laughs> fill in the blank. Where are those? At I think the they're at the other school. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's hard." Yuck. And it is now time for our professional or personal recommendations, things we've been enjoying in or out of the classroom. And I think we're probably going to be focusing on outside of the classroom. Well, yeah, we've been home a lot, and it's been snowy. And there's been, like, a lot of, I don't know about in your family, but my family's been just getting into all this, like, escapist type of media. Oh, maybe. You know, like video games and books and and movies that are, like... I just just feel like I've just been home a lot. Oh, yeah, and being home. Yeah, and it's winter. So because of that, I'm reading a book. You're reading a book. I'm not the best when it comes to reading. I try to be, but I... Well, you can have time to, like, read. Right, so this book was actually recommended to us by a a listener who knows my... My pension for for dark, crimey kind of thing. Yeah, crimey, and this, crimey, crimey. This sounds up my alley. It's oh been yeah, on my I list think it's a, a good mashup of us, Tanya. So I've been reading the Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle um, by Stuart Tur- Turton. I don't know how you pronounce that last name. Um, and yeah, it's really good. I'm only halfway through. I seem to recommend books, and I'm halfway through a lot. But for me, if I get halfway through a book, that means it's pretty darn good because books don't hold my attention as well as I'd like. So this is a good combination of, like, mystery, crime, um, you know, you've got, like, Godsford Park kind of, is that what that movie was called? Yeah, Gods- yeah. Godsford Park, you know, that kind of vibe. Can but I also, tell you what I've heard it described as? Yeah. Groundhog's Day meets um, Downton Abbey yes. meets um, uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. Is that a good description? Because I haven't, I haven't read it yet. Yeah, I'm not sure that I'm, I, not so much the Stranger Things. I guess that there is some kind of mysterious things in that way. Um, but yeah, there's some time travel-y stuff. Definitely Groundhog's Day kind of stuff. But dark. Um, dark, a little bit dark, mysterious. Not horror, you know, not right. that that kind of scary, but like definitely um, suspenseful cool. and intriguing, and you know. Uh, it's just really good. That's awesome. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I'm assuming that I'm going to like the rest of the book, so I'll go ahead and recommend it now. I have no idea how it's going to end, which is what's And you haven't even told us it. any of the plot, really. No, because you can't. I mean, you really, it's hard to 
even start to talk about it without giving something away. Okay. It's just a really good mystery, and someone's trying to solve it, and to solve it, they have to travel through time in different ways. Okay. And so you're seeing the same story, but from different angles, I guess, is really what it is. And then because of that, you're piecing together all the clues to kind of come up with your own um, you know, guess of what, what's going to happen. Okay. Um, and you know who's going to get murdered and when, but you don't know how and by whom. Wait, you told us way. there's a murder? Oh, well, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's called the seven and a half deaths of Ellen oh. Hardcastle. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Um, and I think that's on the jacket cover. So I'm not giving away too much other than that. It's really good. I've had a lot of people reach out and say, I've read that too, and it's really good. It is really good. Cool. So, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward I'm to gonna reading it. I'm going to loan it to you when I know. When I'm, done. I'm so excited. Yeah. Okay, what about you, Tanya? Okay, so I'm going to recommend a book as well. Oh, yay. <laughs> Wintertime reading. Yeah, and this I've been doing on audio. Okay. An audiobook. And I've been doing um, audiobooks a lot with my children because yeah. when my husband is at the mountain school, then, like, I'm in charge of the kids getting to all the places. Right. And it is a, it's interesting because I've been doing a lot of audiobooks because when I'm going to the mountain school, it's me in the car for two hours a day. Right. And then when I'm not going to the mountain school, it's me and the kids in the car, in the car for <laughs> not many hours a day because it's a shorter commute. But if we go to, like, Choir children's corral. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Then that's a lot. And then there's piano and then there's this and that and the other. So I've been trying to make sure that I have an audio book that will uh, be appealing to all of us, which has been kind of, uh, sometimes it's challenging. Well, yeah, you have a span of ages. And yes. Interests yeah. yeah. And so my daughter family. is 10 and my son is 14 and I'm not, I'm an adult. And so I, I want to enjoy it too. Yeah. And I've mentioned some other audio books that I have enjoyed that are middle grade. This one was listed as young adult. Young adult is not what it was when I was a young adult. Oh. Let's just say. Okay. Like teenager books when I was a kid were a lot less um, scary and dystopian. Oh. When you look at teenage or young adult books, it's so many dystopian things, yeah. which is weird. Now, I mean, I guess it makes sense. But anyway, so this... you're going through that angsty time in life. Yeah. What does it all mean? What does it all mean? The world is doomed. Yeah, but my angsty was like, you know, the the wind in the door yeah. and um, wrinkle in time. And their angsty is like the Hunger Games. And right. That's, this is true. That's yeah. a little different. We live in darker times, we I guess. We do. Yeah. So true. Anyway, um... I'll get off that. But so we've been listening to this book called The Hazelwood by okay. Melissa Albert. Uh-huh. And the audiobook is really excellently done um, by the narrator. And it's kind of like a dark fairy tale. Oh, and I like those. Yeah. And it's told uh, first person by a 17-year-old girl named Alice. And she's got a history with fairy tales because her grandmother wrote this um, book of fairy tales that have... A cult following. Okay. But it was like after it was published the first time around, there's only so many copies in the world, and a lot of people don't know who she is, but the people who know this book are like infatuated with this book and obsessed with the book. And anyway, so huh. this 17-year-old Alice and her mom, they they move several times um, each year because it seems like bad luck follows them. Okay. And that's just like the general setup. Huh. But she's never read this book of fairy tales that her grandmother has penned. And um, then some strange things start happening. Of course. Where like, you know, fairy tale seems to have like come into the real world type oh. of thing. So that's all I'll say. But it's been really, cool. really captivating 
and to the point that I'm getting my kids to do their laundry as we all are in the bedroom surrounded, you know, by laundry and we all fold our clothes and listen to the book. Oh, I love that. On top of the being in the car stuff. Yeah. Which is good because next week I'll be going to the mountain school and I can't listen without them. And I want right. to know what happens. And we've got like seven hours left. Um, if you're not able to do the offensive language around your children, this is not the book for you. Oh, okay. Because there's several F-bombs oh, and okay. like, like, you know, bad language for no good reason, which... My kids at this point in life just they we just have it. to accept that yeah they don't they don't use that language I mean around us <laughs> right and it's just it's just life is how we've kind of approached that so yeah there's some f bombs and other bombs there's no explicit sex there's no like graphic violence so far I don't think there's gonna be but it's like it's like a dark fairy tale cool it's a fun time. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. Please connect with us. You'll find us on Facebook, Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. Next time, we'll focus on teacher and student resilience in the music classroom. Until next time, this is Carrie. And this is Tanya wishing you happy musicking.